Good morning. How's everybody? How's everybody? (laughs) I was looking down. I thought maybe you all left. (laughs) I didn't hear anything. Okay, so my name is Alan. And uh, if you're new here, you weren't here last week. I'm I'm Alan. And we're in a, uh, we just started a series of lessons last week called Why Church? And each lesson we're trying to answer the question, why church? So last week, the answer that we we put out there was because believers belong. And we talked about the difference between attending and belonging to a church. If you didn't, if you weren't here, if you didn't hear that lesson for whatever reason, I hope you'll go back and take a listen to it, not because I did such a good job with it, but because it does sort of create the frame that we're looking at this question through. That fundamental bedrock thing that we're building on is a decision that, why church? We need to belong to a church and not just go to church. And all the other lessons that come after it, I think, are going to make more sense whenever you're standing on that perch and looking at the topic. Because we're talking about people who've decided they need to belong to God's church and not just attend. So this week, what we're looking at, the question, why church? We're going to try to answer it this way. Because you need spiritual support. You need spiritual support. Can anybody identify with that? Yeah. Well, did you know that you were created on purpose and by design without the ability to do what God created humans to do unless you have help? This runs totally counterintuitive to our American way of looking at things, doesn't it? We tend to be rugged individualists. And we tend to think of, well, I need to be able to do this on my own. And yet we were not created with the ability to be truly human and to do what God created us to do on our own. How do I know that? Well, look at Genesis 2, verse 18. We're going back to the beginning of the book, like the second page in. God says this. Now, he had just finished creating everything. His crowning achievement in all of his creation was humanity. And at each step, he paused, he looked at it, he said, it's good. Then he creates man. And he's looking at it going, "Uh, I think I can do better. No, what he says is, it's not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for the man to be alone. Occasionally, my wife will come home and say the same thing. It's not good for this man to be alone. (laughs) So it's kind of common to all of us. But God says, it's not good for Adam to be alone. The first thing he said wasn't good. Why wasn't it good for Adam to be alone? It's not a trick question. Actually, if you've got your Bibles open and you're looking at that verse, he finishes the sentence and tells us why. Anybody found it? It's because he needed a helper. Adam needed a helper. But it begs the question, a helper to do what? See, it wasn't just that Adam was lonely. Adam couldn't do the job on his own. He needed a helper to help him bear God's image and to rule over God's creation in God's name. One chapter back, chapter 1, verse 26 It says that God said, let us make mankind in our image 
in our likeness so that they, and here's the job description that comes with bearing God's image. Bearing God's image is, among other things, a job description. He says, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Bearing God's image, being truly, fully human the way that God created us, is a big job. It's a big job, and it's also a job that required both men and women. It wasn't something that just one could do without the other. You look at Genesis 1.27, that very next verse, it says, So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. I don't believe Eve was an afterthought. And I don't believe the job of bearing God's image is something that a man can do on his own. Because God said, for this to be good, for this to be very good, I need men and women. That's how they can do the job of bearing my image. And apparently, it took more than just one man and one woman to bear God's image and do this job. Because in the very next verse, verse 28, God says to the man and woman, to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. This ruling in God's name, ruling over his creation, bearing his image, is something that took more than just one man and one woman. It took a family. From the very beginning, God's people have always needed a spiritual family to help them and to support them in being fully and truly human, the way God created us. You with me so far? Okay. Now let me ask you a question. I mean, there's a, there's a very interesting story in here. God, before he creates Eve, he brings all the animals that he created and runs them past Adam. Why do you think he did that? I mean, why didn't God just say, okay, let's just create man and woman, boom. Why did he create Adam and then run all these animals past him and then create Eve? Anybody got an idea? We're not told, okay, so we're all guessing. <laughs> we're all guessing, but I'm going to put out a couple of questions or a couple of ideas. Uh, you be the judge. Tell me if this makes any sense. Maybe, and this is just maybe, but maybe Adam needed to see that he couldn't do it alone. Or that he couldn't do it with just a dog. You know, he needed more than man's best friend. He looked at all the different options and he had to do that before he would accept Eve as his, his partner, as his counterpart, the one that would help and support him. You think that's a possibility? I think so, and I think at this because of this, we have a hard time admitting that we need help, don't we? Well, maybe Adam did too. Maybe that's where we got it. Maybe we just kind of inherited this stubbornness, this independent nature from him. Have you ever noticed that when we finally do realize that we need help and support, that we tend to look for it in all the wrong places and all the wrong people? Anybody else been there besides me or just me this morning? I think it's a, a, a human tendency, a fallen human tendency, 
Maybe the animal parade was to help Adam realize that he needed to let God create and provide the right kind of help and support. Is it a possibility? Yes, I, I think it is, because we all have that tendency to, to think that we don't really need each other. Romans 12, Paul is dealing with a church in Rome. And guess what one of the central issues and the primary reason why he's writing this letter to these Christians is? They don't think they need each other. You've got Jews and Gentiles, and they don't get along. And they don't even think that the others are able to help them. So they are they're fighting amongst themselves and staying apart from one another. And Paul said this in verse 5, he says, of chapter 12, he says, Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of it. And it takes every one of us to make it complete. We each have different work to do. So we belong to each other and each needs all the others. Each needs all the others. Why church? Because you need spiritual support. I need spiritual support. Being truly human, what God created us and then recreated us to be, is too big of a job for us to do on our own. Just like Adam, you need spiritual help and support. We weren't even created with the ability to do this on our own. So why church? Because you need help and support. You and I both need the community of faith. See, a community is a unified body of individuals. This is from Merriam-Webster's dictionary. A community is a unified body of individuals with common interests living in a particular area. We need the community of faith. We need God's family in order to bear his image and to do his work in this world. Why, church? Because we've got to have support and help when we're doing that. So here are some things that you and I need from this community of faith. And it's the only place where we can get these things. The first one is, I need others to walk with me. I need others to walk with me. So often in the Bible, the Christian walk is described, or the Christian life is described as a walk. And a walk, whenever you think about it, is just one intentional step followed by another one. In fact, the Greek word is perpetuo, which sounds like what? Perpetual? Yeah, there's a connection from that. It's one step intentionally followed by another intentional step, which leads us to an end destination. And I need help walking with Christ. I trip and fall. How about you? And I do this more often whenever I'm by myself. Sometimes I take the wrong route. I get off track. Does that happen to you? It doesn't happen to me as much whenever I'm walking with somebody else. When I'm by myself, the wrong way can look right. Or I can decide to try and take a shortcut, which rarely ever works out. Colossians 2.6, Paul said this, So then, just as you've received Christ, Jesus our Lord, continue to walk in him. We're supposed to continue to walk in Jesus. And guess what? That ain't easy. It's hard to walk in Jesus for a couple of reasons. One is, it means that you're a brand new creation. It takes time to learn how to walk differently than the way we did before. It's a new creation that you are. So there's a new reason for living. There's a new way of thinking. There's a new way of walking and talking and acting. You have a new purpose in your life. 
And I don't know if anybody else, certainly didn't happen to me, did anybody hear when they were baptized that they just all of a sudden get struck and a light switch went off and bing, there goes all the sin and you understand your purpose and you're just doing great. Take off running out of the baptistry. Yeah, I wonder if you'd lie about other things. Uh, (laughs) It takes time to learn how to be a new creation. And another part that makes it so hard to walk in Jesus is being this new creation means you no longer fit very well with the old creation. You're very different. Like one of the great influential thinkers of my generation said, Kermit the Frog, it ain't easy being green. How many of you felt like I'm green? I sit in this crowd, I'm a Christian, I'm surrounded by people who do not get me. Who don't, don't understand me. And you know what that produces? Loneliness. It's hard to follow and walk in Jesus' footsteps, to walk in Him, because it's lonely. Well, community is God's answer to loneliness. See, I'm not nearly so lonely whenever I'm belonging to the church. Whenever I have that kind of relationship with other Christians. Uh, right after we get done with church, a group of people are going to be grabbing some food from a restaurant. And they're going to head over to my place. And we're going to hang out. I enjoyed my time with you guys. You guys enjoy it? They put up with me, but they're nodding yes, which I appreciate. Does it, does it help? Does it help? Uh, the guys in my group. I'm looking at three of them right now. I'm actually looking at five. I can see a couple of ladies. But does that not, that time together, does it not help us to stay on track walking through the rest of the week? How many of you guys can say that the same thing about your small groups? Yeah, it helps, doesn't it? It keeps us from being lonely. It's not the only thing that it does, but that's one of the things. Community is God's answer to loneliness. Hebrews 10.25, at least the first part of that verse, says, We must not quit meeting together as some are doing. Boy, that could have been written today, couldn't it? That's 2,000 years ago, but that could have been written today. How many people, not necessarily just in this church, have given up on their small groups or that community of faith because of COVID? How many of them had actually already given up on that before COVID? They just kept showing up. That happens. That's that difference between attending and belonging. He goes on to say, no, we need to keep on encouraging each other. Why do we need to encourage each other? Because we need encouragement. We need people to say, yes, you need to keep going. I need you beside me. I need you to be strong for me. We need that kind of encouragement. We need, I think this, by the way, just a piece of advice in some of your small groups, what I found out over 30-some years of ministry, people tend to know what they're doing wrong. What they don't know is what they're doing right. In our small groups, if all you talk about is what you're doing wrong, You may not walk away as encouraged as you might be if someone is pointing out the things in your life that you're doing that are right. But you're going to have to belong with each other and connect with each other and enjoy that community if anybody's going to be able to see you clearly enough to know what you're doing right. We need each other. We need people to walk with me. Second thing, I need others to work with me. Ephesians 2.10, God made us to do good works, and he planned those in advance. 
says, which he planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. I need others to work with me. Sometimes, occasionally, to work on me. (laughs) But to work with me. What kind of good works do I need others to help me with? To work with me on? Well, I got a couple, and they're not in your notes. But the first thing I can think of is, I need help working for the benefit of other people. Galatians 6.10, Paul said, every time we get the chance... Let's work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Does that sound like a big job? It's a huge job. And in too many churches, and Bob, I know you can, you can comment on this, how many times is it the preacher they expect to do all that good work? That's not a, this isn't a verse to preachers. This is a, per, per, a verse to you and to me. And see, I, I'm willing to try. I've been trying, but I need your help. And you need my help. You need each other's help. We need each other to help to work with us because the job's too big for any one of us. From the very beginning, it was always too big for one of us to bear God's image alone. Another thing I need help working with is to make our time together at church special. We have yeah, Sue, you, you're in charge of, of the ministry that, that tries to make it special here, at least on, on the greeting ministry and some decorations, and they do an awesome job. Is it just Sue and her group of volunteers that are supposed to make the church time together special? No, no. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, Paul said this, When you gather, each one of you should be prepared with something useful for all. I went through a lot of my time as a Christian just stumbling into Sunday mornings, hoping to get something. But what does this verse say I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to come here prepared with something useful for all. It takes work and effort and thought to make this a special time together, to look out for each other, and it's too much for just one or two or a few of us. I need all of you guys to be thinking that way and to work with me to make this special. Sometimes the the biggest thing that people need whenever they get here is someone to look them in the eye and notice them. Someone to pay attention to them, to say hi or maybe listen to them. And it's work. Just a couple of us can't get... So all the people in in your group, can they get to everybody who comes here on a Sunday morning? There's no way. I can't do it, but if we work together, we can. And maybe we get to a place where nobody ever comes here and leaves feeling lonely. Maybe we'd get to a place where we're, we're helping each other like that. I also need help doing my part so that the body of Christ grows and matures so that together we can function as Jesus in this world. Why does Jesus need a body? I mean, that's what he calls us, right? We're his body, he's the head. Why does Jesus need a body? This is not a trick question. Why do you need a body? I found that I need a body to take my head from place to place, particularly to places to eat. <laughs> Jesus, did, Remember, Jesus was here on earth. What was he busy doing? He was preaching. He was teaching. He was noticing people. He was all kinds of stuff, right? Well, what does he expect to do now that he's the head and we're the body? What are we supposed to be doing? 
Jesus is still working in our world through us. We're his body. And we need to work together. Would you be able to do very much work if your parts of your body didn't work together? And yet, all over the world, on this first day of the week, we've got bodies of believers that don't connect to each other very well, that aren't coordinated. And we can talk about they and them and out there, but what about in here? What about us? Do we really take seriously how much we need each other? Or do we say to ourselves, the preacher will handle it. My small group leader will handle it. The greeting ministry will will make sure that people aren't left out and ignored. Someone will run a small group. Someone will teach a Bible class. If if we're going to grow and mature and function like Jesus in this world, I need your help with that. You need his help with that. Ephesians 4.16, Paul said, as each part does its work, it helps the other parts grow. See, whenever you're doing your part, it helps me to grow. And whenever I do my part, it helps you to grow. We need each other so that we can grow. And he goes on to say, so that Christ's whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I don't think that we've really captured or cornered the market on being loving yet. I could say that about Christianity in general in our country. But I also think we're showing promise here. I believe we're showing promise here. I see more love in action in this group than I've seen in a very, very long time. And yet we have got so far to go, and we need each other to be able to continue to do it and to do it well and to grow in it. Paul said... A couple times, he said in Galatians 6, he said in 2 Thessalonians 3, never get tired of doing good. Why do you think he would say that? You know that if you wrote it in a couple of his letters, he was probably saying it all the time in all the places, right? Why is he saying don't get tired of doing good? You were created to do good works, but it's tiring. Well, community is God's answer to fatigue. See, I get encouraged to keep going and to work even a little harder whenever I see other people working. How about you? Doesn't it encourage you? God, community is God's answer to fatigue. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. We get more done if we work together. So I need this community of faith. I need the help and support that comes from that community for a couple of reasons, and one of them is I need people to walk with me. I need them to work with me. Number three, I need people to watch out for me. I don't mean like watch out for me, like stay away from me. I mean, I have my days where that might be the wisest thing, but (laughs) I need people to watch out for me, like look out for me. In fact, Philippians 2, 4, Paul said it exactly that way. He says, and look out for one another's interests, not just for your own. It is way easy for us to just think about us. For us to just look out for ourselves. I've seen tremendous acts of generosity with money in this church over the last couple of years. I wish Gary hadn't stepped out because he could probably go on a rant and tell you all the good stories he, he gets to see even. Some of them I find out from him. 
But you don't give up the money you worked for and give it to somebody who didn't work for it if you're not willing to look out for them. And we have people who have needs, don't we? We need to look out for one another's interests, not just our own. Hebrews 13.1 says, Keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. See, I need you to be concerned about me. And not just whether or not i got enough money, but am I really serious about following Jesus? Because, you know, I can get swept up in things. I can get angry. Anybody else here deal with getting angry? I can get hurt. Anybody here have, have people that hurt you, betray you, disappoint you? How does it affect your walk? Is it easier to stumble? It is for me because I start thinking of ways to get even. I start thinking of ways, and I have these horrible conversations in my head about the things I would say that would just put them in their place, that would just set the record straight, that would just glorify Alan. And if I don't have somebody watching out for me, I'll give in to it. How about you? We need each other. You need the spiritual help and support of someone watching out for you. Why? Because community is God's answer to defeat. Belonging. Attending has its benefits, but so much about what we're talking about here, you just don't get the benefit of unless you belong. Community is God's answer to defeat. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Boy, isn't that the truth. But two stand, can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. Why, why are we, and have been for so many decades now, so crazy about advising people and, and encouraging people to be in small groups? Because even a group of two people is better than being on your own. But if you've got two people looking out for you, that's even better than just having one look out for you. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, if a person falls, if one person falls, another can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. I have been that guy that was alone. And it, it was nobody's fault but me. I was going to church, but I kept people at a distance. And I got off track, and there was nobody watching out for me because I just wouldn't allow it. Nobody knew. And before I knew it, the road had gotten really dark and hairy. And I still didn't turn back. And I found myself down, waylaid, and there was nobody there to help me. It was rough. Some of you guys can tell the same story. It's much better. We need somebody to be watching out for us and walking with us. Number four, I also need others to wait and to weep with me. Romans 12.15, Paul says that we need to be happy with those who are happy, weep with those who weep. Remember, this is the church that couldn't get along with each other, didn't think they needed one another. He said we need to be happy with those who are happy, and we need to weep with those who weep. 1 Corinthians 12.26, Paul said, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If you drop... Wayne's getting ready. Wayne, do you mind if I use you as an illustration? I didn't ask you this before. Because you told me something that I'm going to use. Is that all right? We'll find out later if he means it's all right. <laughs> Wayne's got a painful knee. He's, got, he's actually got a matching pair of painful knees. And he's going to have to have some work done on him. Well, he also had to have some dentist work done. 
And the dentist was like, dude, this is seriously going to hurt. And he told me the work they had done. And yeah, it's the kind of thing that would just be a screamer. He said, I didn't notice it. I said, why didn't you notice the, the tooth thing? He said, because my knee hurt so bad. His knee hurt so bad he didn't even feel what was going on. And have you ever been there? You smash your thumb. What does the rest of your body do? Well, that's a shame for the thumb. No, you do a, you do a dance. You dance a jig. You say things. <laughs> you yell. Maybe cry. The whole body feels it. Is that how it is in your small group? Is that how it is in this church? You need that kind of support. You need that kind of support to stay faithful and to bear God's image. We just weren't designed to do it on our own. First Peter 3.8, Paul said, you should be like one big happy family. One big happy family full of sympathy toward each other. Loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Well, we could do an entire sermon on any one of these verses, and I'm just having to throw them out there for you, but I hope that you'll look at them and think about them as you go through your week. Community is God's answer to despair. I think I forgot to tell you that. (laughs) Community is God's answer to to despair. If I have nobody waiting with me, nobody that's going to be happy whenever I'm happy, nobody that's going to be patient with me while I'm weeping, nobody that really cares when I'm hurting, How far am I away from despair? And despair, if you haven't dealt with it, I pray you never do, but there's probably unavoidable. Despair is like falling off a cliff. How many ropes would it take to keep someone from crashing at the bottom of that cliff if they fell off? One. How much safer are they if they've got 20? Because in my mind, I'm thinking that one rope can fray. That one rope can break. But if we're working together to help people, if we are waiting as a people of God, if we're doing what God called us to do and being fully, truly human, part of that new creation, acting like Jesus, then we all want to have a rope out there on each other so that nobody falls off that cliff of despair and crashes. And I need a few ropes on me. How about you? Yeah. Number five, and this is the last one. I need others to witness with me. I need others to witness with me. Did a little research on witness and the word that Paul used and how they would have likely heard it. It really has this idea, not so much of a, like we think about a witness in a court of law, but it has to do with somebody who opens up somebody else's eyes causes them to see things as they really are. And we are commanded to be witnesses for Jesus. Why? It goes back to, again, the front of the book. Be fruitful and multiply. God hasn't changed his mind about what he wanted to create humans for. He didn't give up on that. He still wants us to bear his image, and he wants a big family. He wants to save as many people from walking away from this family as possible. He's not satisfied with people just attending church. He wants them to belong here. And he wants us to be his witnesses in the world, to open people's eyes to the reality of who he is. Philippians 1, 27, the second half of that verse says, you are working together and struggling side by side to get others to believe the good news. 
Again, in too many places, we leave it evangelism and talking about Jesus. We put that off on somebody else. We think that we're not qualified. We think that in some churches, they think that the preacher is the hired professional. Yeah, we don't do that here. Again, I think God's blessed us in so many ways, but yet we have to guard against this idea that this is somebody else's responsibility. But what comes with the idea when I start talking to you, and I know I preached not too long ago about this idea of being evangelistic, right? What comes to your mind? What, what emotion comes to you when you think about witnessing for Jesus? Is it fear? Second Timothy 1.8, Paul said the Holy Spirit, God's gift, doesn't want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong and to love them and to enjoy being with them. See, community is God's answer to fear. How many of you guys have done door-knocking campaigns before? Did you like going alone or did you like going with somebody else? (laughs) It's always nice to have somebody else who believes the standing beside you. How many of you, whenever you know other people in this congregation, in your small group, when other people are talking about Jesus just naturally, not, not the salesman, not... Not the arm twisting, want to build up attendance. We've already established we're not after a bigger attendance here. <laughs> we're after people connecting with God and with God's people. But whenever you hear somebody else, doesn't it make you want to go out and do it too? Whenever you see a life on the rocks and you talk to them about Jesus and you see that person spark with hope, right, Danny Gill? Recently, right? And it's, it's, it's eye-opening. It's eye-opening. Danny's got a story like several others that I've heard, several others I've heard recently. He shows God's kindness. And guess what happens? He gets a chance to talk about the king. And somebody's eyes are opened. But it's easy to be afraid of doing that whenever you think you're doing it on your own. Community is God's answer to fear. But there's a, there's a second half of this I want to put out there. In Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And then later on, we see that happen in the very next chapter. In chapter 2, what do we see? We see Peter standing up and opening eyes, giving the first gospel sermon. He witnessed of Jesus to that crowd. How did it work out? Worked out pretty good. He had 3,000 count, and we're not even sure that the count included everybody, but there were 3,000 people who responded to that and became a part of God's family on that day because one man stood up and witnessed. Now, he didn't do it alone. He had a bunch of people with him. He had his other, his small group was with him, right? But he stood up and he witnessed. And then verse 41, because we're here, we're looking at the history of this thing and how it all got started. Luke records, those who accepted his message, who's that? It's the 3,000. Those that accepted his message were baptized and, oh, hang on, yeah. Yeah, were, were baptized and uh, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Verse 42, they, the 3,000, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And guess what happened? Verse 47, 
And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Witnessing is not always standing up in front of people giving a a speech. It's not always preaching a sermon. What we do together here this morning sends a message to the world around us. It's either one that confirms that there is a new king and his name is Jesus and his kingdom is real and altogether better or it sends a message that this is a waste of time. This doesn't really help. This is religion. How does it become the good one and not the bad one? It's that word devoted. Devoted means not only committed, but having affection. They were devoted to these four things because they were a group of people, a community of people gathered around Jesus. And it changed them. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings. They were devoted to fellowship, to sharing in common, to walking together. They were devoted to taking the Lord's Supper like we just did. And they would actually have a big meal and around the Lord's Supper. We've reduced it to a tiny little wafer that just is delicious and this little tiny cup of, of juice that we hope isn't sour. They had a, had a bigger meal, but it was all devoted and centered around Jesus. They were devoted to doing this. They were devoted to prayer. Are we? It's awfully quiet in here. I'm I'm asking for more than commitment, aren't I? And I'm not asking because I'm making it up. (laughs) I I sometimes wish that the Lord would put the bar a little lower just so that I could get over it. We need to be devoted to these things. But when we are, the world notices and it opens their eyes. See, community is God's answer to skeptics. I got some friends I love that just don't believe in Jesus. Some of them did, or at least claimed to, now they don't. And as often as not, they point at the church, not Jesus, as their reason for not believing. But when we're devoted, and we belong, and we walk with each other, and we work with each other, and we wait and weep with each other, when we witness together, by being together, gathered around Jesus... The world can't deny it. And it's not something we can do on our own. We were never created to be able to do this on our own. We need each other to be this kind of witness. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. See, it's the way we do this life together. That's why attending is really not what God's after. He wants us to belong. Why church? We need the spiritual help and support to bear God's image and to do the job that he created us to do, but he didn't create us with the ability to do alone. That's why everybody here matters. Not just some. We all matter. See, I need God's family to help me tell people the good news, and I need God's family to help me to show them that it's real. And you need that too. So where do you start? 
how can you get, how can I get the spiritual support I need? I've got two suggestions. One, make a commitment to belong to Jesus' church. I'm really praying hard that you will be too dissatisfied with attending to go on attending. You know, I love having the, the seats full, but I want them full of belongers. And I'd rather meet in my living room with a handful of belongers than a cathedral or a sports stadium filled with attenders. Wouldn't you? And I know we've got more than can fit in my house in this group today. I know we've got a lot of belongers in this room. But not everybody. Some people are still satisfied with attending. There are benefits to attending, but it's not the same ballgame. So if you want to get spiritual help and support, you need to start by belonging. Secondly, join or start a small group devoted to following Jesus. Join or start. If you've got two friends that want to follow Jesus, you could start a small group. As long as that small group is devoted to following Jesus, you'll be all right. And you've got other belongers who will help you, who will work beside you, that will give you ideas, that will talk with you about how to address things, how to see what the Lord teaches You've got all kinds of resources from the body of Christ. That blood flow is just waiting to spread into you. To bring it to life. Or you can join a small group that's already in flow. Anybody here can come to my small group. I don't know anybody here who wants to, but anybody here can come to my small group. And my wife has already, I know, I haven't asked her specifically if I could say this this morning, but I know her and I know she'll support this. I'll have 20 small groups this week if that's what it takes to make sure you all have got a small group. I'll have 40. We'll live together if that's what it takes. We won't do it long because I'll be asking you to start a small group or join another one. But who's with me? Who else will join? I need help. This is work. Will anybody else work with me? Because I need your help and support. And you need mine. Join or start a small group. These are not too complicated recommendations, are they? And they sort of make sense. You've got everything to gain. You've got everything to gain and the Lord to be praised and to be glorified and a world to win. A world that's hurting to be shown that there's a real king and that his kingdom isn't just some fanciful thought for someday in the sky in the sweet by and by. But it's here now. And that living here is altogether better. Let's pray and we'll be done this morning. Heavenly Father, again, we, we love you. We don't deserve to belong. We really don't. Uh, we, we're humbled to be able to be called by your name. Uh, we come before you and... and what little righteousness that any of us musters, it's like filthy rags. But you love us and accept us, and you've brought us together on purpose 
Just like you created Eve for Adam, you've created each one of us for everybody else. And you've put us together, sometime with our exact photo-negative opposite. <laughs> Someone who's just entirely different than us. But you've brought us together because together we bear your image. Father, I pray that you'll help us to lose this arrogant, prideful, independent streak that causes us to think that we can do this alone. I pray, Father, that you'll, you'll move us away from the selfishness that makes it all about me and what I get out of this. That you'll get us to thinking about what you deserve. Father, you created each one of us to bear your image and you deserve to have each one of us bear your image. And you brought Jesus here to make it so that it could even happen. And you put your spirit in us to keep working on us and changing us and bringing us more into his likeness. But Father, help us to get past this attending mentality, this independent mentality. Father, help us to value what you've created. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.